You are listening to the Riverbend Youth Podcast. We hope this teaching deepens your relationship with Jesus and encourages you to share your faith with others. Please enjoy the message. Well, I had this friend in high school. His name is, was, it still is. His name is Ryan, right? Our names are so close, just one letter apart and in a different place. Anyway, freshman year, Ryan, that was the guy. Yeah, um, he's, he's the one at the bottom. So you see me? I'm looking good. All right. Yeah. That was, that was prom high school, like senior year, maybe dude, I look great. But, um, Ryan and his family, we can take it down. (laughs) It's a distraction. Ryan and his family moved to my hometown. And this is the town that I grew up in. Like I had been there my entire life. This dude gets here freshman year. He didn't know anybody. And so we had some classes together. And so I got to know him a bit. We became friends. I invited Ryan over to my house one day for the first time. And along with some other friends, because my house was kind of the spot. I'm not going to lie. And, um, and it was cool. Like we, we, we do cool stuff at my house back in, back in high school. Um, and that was great. Everyone had blast until Ryan invited us to his house one day. And he lived in a different neighborhood you know, the one where like the houses are just bigger. So we all show up at his house one time and this three story house had a movie theater, a movie theater inside of it. And uh, had a game room. It had a pool, like a sick pool with like multiple waterfalls and stuff and the hot tub built in, you know what I'm saying? And it had a pool house and the pool house was bigger than my actual house. And this is just a guest house. It was so sick. This dude had dirt bikes, ATVs, UTVs. He had a boat, jet skis. They're like, you want to hit the lake and all this stuff. Um, and to make matters worse, his parents, were like young and and not in a weird way, but like really like good looking people. You know what I'm saying? Like his, both of his parents were just like, just pinnacles of humanity. Just, uh, I was like, man, what? And uh, my parents were the type of parents that everyone thought that they were my grandparents. <laughs> they were like, is this your dad? Um, that's what I got a lot. Um, his parents also didn't drink or do drugs. They didn't fight. They weren't divorced. They weren't abusive. They were nice. They would cook food for us and order food for us every time we were over. They always had food in the pantry. It was a pretty cool environment. It was different than the house I grew up in. And do you ever low-key wish that you could like just trade places with someone else's family? Don't answer it out loud. Do you ever low-key wish that your family was just a little more like someone else's? Because I did. I wished I could trade places with my friend Ryan all the time. And as kids, we tend to just grow up and you're, you're young, you're small, and, and you grow up and your family is all you know. You don't have context for anything else. And so you just kind of think that this is normal and this is probably just how every family is until you experience a different family like I did that time. And I was, I was like, oh shoot, my family's kind of jacked up. My family is not perfect and it's broken. And the truth is every family is fractured. And that's what we're talking about a little bit this morning is every family is fractured. Ryan's family was fractured. It wasn't perfect. I kind of thought it was, and it seemed like it to me outside looking in, but they had problems. Every family does. Interestingly enough, when we have this moment of realization, 
there tend to be two responses I've noticed. Number one, we kind of count our family out. We think our family is sort of like an embarrassment and we don't want people to know. Like I felt that. I was like, I don't want people to come back to my house again ever. Like it's embarrassing. Um, I think my family is never going to do good things. They're not going to be healthy or cool or like the one that people want to be around. So I kind of count them out and I discredit my own family. And the second thing is that we tend to count ourselves out. Like if you're not counting out your family, maybe you're counting out yourself. This is another thing I did because I'm in this family. I'm guilty by association almost is how I felt. Like we have these problems. It's not glamorous. It's not the ideal. It's not the American dream or whatever. And so therefore I'm not good. I'm not worthy. I'm not valuable. I'm not going to succeed. And I'm guilty by association, right? And I just want to tell you, if you felt like that, a little bit of good news has a long history of working with dysfunctional families. So if you've got a dysfunctional family, there's good news for you yet. If you felt ashamed or embarrassed or you like you don't measure up, if it gives you a little bit of hope, I've lived it and I've experienced it. My family was super dysfunctional. All of those things I just described a second ago were truths about my family growing up. But he turned it around for me, and it's not the same as it was back then. And he can do it to me, so he can do it to you too. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 25. In Genesis chapter 25, we've probably heard the name Abraham, right? Like you're talking about the Bible, church, Abraham, father had many sons. Many sons. <laughs> yeah, you know the guy. So one of his sons' name was Isaac. And Isaac had these twin boys named Esau, which let's bring that name back. And Jacob, that name never went. Never went. Esau was born first. And I love the Bible because it just like baby shames this kid. It's like he was really hairy and red when he was born. Like, why are they going to call out this baby like that? But he was apparently hairy and red when he was born. That's Esau. And then Jacob, his twin brother, who was born second, is said to have been born, like came out of the womb, hanging on to the heel of his older brother Esau. He's like, ah! coming too. Um, and the suck thing about being twins at that time was that the older sibling had the rights to this thing. It's, it's called a birthright. Basically, you would get an inheritance whenever your father passed away and it went to the oldest son. And how big of a ripoff is that? It's like, we came out like 0.3 seconds apart, but you're technically older. So you get the birthright, like what a jip, but you would get money, land, cattle crops, um, and stuff like that, that no one else in your family, no matter how many siblings you have, um, would get. Okay. So kind of that's the setup. And in verse 27 of Genesis chapter 25, we read this. The boys grew up and Esau became a skillful, skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob, he was like the more artsy type. He was content to stay home among the tents. Isaac was their dad, right? Remember, he had this taste for wild game. I don't know why that's in there, but it is moving on. Verse 29, once when Jacob, the older brother, I mean, sorry, the younger brother, the, the Jacob, the younger brother was cooking some stew. Esau, the older brother came in from the open country. He was famished. He was parched. He was hungry. Okay. He said to his younger brother, he's like, quick, let me get some of that red stew. 
Stu's red like me. I'm famished. Jacob, the younger brother, replies, first, sell me your birthright. Bro runs a hard bargain, right? It's like, you can have a bowl of stew, but you got to sell me like all of the inheritance that you've lived your entire life for. That's only you get, right? Which you'd be like, hard pass. It's a bad deal. Deal or no, no deal, right? But look what he says. Verse 32. He's trying to play a little game. He's like, look, bro, I'm about to die. What good is this birthright to me? I, I don't really need it anyway. And, and he's trying to like play him a little bit. Like he's just trying to get some stew, honestly. He's not, he has really no intention of selling him his birthright at all. Like that's, that's dumb. So the younger brother, he's a little smarter than this. And he's like, swear to me first. Swear it. Cross your heart and hope to die. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Is it binding? Does that count? Says Jacob, the younger brother, gave Esau some bread and the, and the stew, and he ate it, and he drank it, and then he got up and left, and there was that. And I would like to imagine that years went by, and they kind of forgot about it, or Esau was kind of just like, yes, I got some stew, like I fed my belly in that one moment, and that's great. Like, that's all I really wanted anyway. This sucker got conned. I'm not giving him my birthright. Like, please. But just to be clear, Esau literally traded his inheritance for a bowl of stew. Fast forward, their dad, Isaac, is about to die. And this is when the passing of that birthright would come down and, and the inheritance would be taken. And Esau realized that he had made a big mistake because the dad said, no, you, you guys had an agreement that's binding. Like you have to honor that agreement, Esau, you idiot. And Esau's now like, I've made a horrible mistake because Isaac did indeed give his birthright to the younger son. He's like, you guys made a deal honoring the stew deal. This upset Esau so much that he was so angry and so bitter. He thought he only had one solution. Do you know what the solution was? Kill him. I got to kill my own younger brother. That was a solution. Now, this is family drama. Like this, you got an inheritance, a bowl of stew, and a brother trying to kill his brother. Man, you thought what you had going on was crazy. Look, don't, don't do this. But I point all this out to point out the fact that every family is fractured. Every family has problems. And listen, where we see problems, God sees potential. And here's what I want to get to, because listen, thousands of years later in the New Testament, this is in the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews actually celebrates the faith of Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. And it's because of how their story kind of plays out. And you can read more about it on your own time. But... The reason why and what's so cool about their family is the fact that Jesus, son of God, savior of the world, perfect one, came from this bloodline. This, this is the family that God chose to use to bring in his son, the savior of the world. He said, this family is not too far gone. This family is not too fractured. This family is not too broken. There's problems, yeah. They see that, yeah, I see 
potential. God showed us that he can take any family dysfunction and bring good out of it. And bring good out of it. And this, this is good news. This is good news for us. This should bring us hope. Because no matter what you have going on, God can use it for good. I think of that worship song where it's like, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, now we're seeing. But it's like you never stop working, right? And for you right now and your family, like hopefully you're not trying to kill each other. But if your sibling offers you stew, just red flag immediately. You're like, mm, I don't know about that. But God can still use it. And I hope it doesn't have to wait thousands of years for you to see it. See, all that trauma that I witnessed and experienced, here's how it worked out for me. I'm not waiting thousands of years to see the good that's come from it. And here's, here's how. Like in the moment, I would think, I want to trade places with Ryan and his family. Can they just adopt me? I wanted my parents to just split. I wanted, I wanted to end it. I wanted to run away. I wanted to do so many things. I told y'all last week that me and my brothers were like mortal enemies. Uh, we, we fought. It was, it was rough. Like I just didn't like it at all. My escape was church. And I just wanted to live there, but I couldn't. I had to go home every day. And I couldn't see why God was allowing that. I couldn't see why he was putting me through that. I prayed all the time that he would change it, and he never did. And I am a dad now, have kids of my own. And my kids are never going to experience the things that I experienced when I was a kid. God has a different path for them. They have different experience. And this is what he was doing in me all the time. God was showing me exactly how not to be a dad. God was showing me exactly how, how not to be a husband. And so I knew exactly what not to do. So whenever it came my turn, when I have a wife of my own, when I have kids of my own, their experience is going to be so different. And that's how God's using it for his glory. Because I have four little kids running around. They have no idea about drug abuse and physical violence and, and, and just this, this anger, this explosive anger. Like they're not, they don't wish that they lived with anyone else. They, they love their mom and their dad and their home and their family. And that's their experience. And that's what God was doing all of the time. And like, I see it now. And so I don't know if that helps or provides any peace, but there's going to come a day where you're going to see it. There's going to come a day where you're going to get it. And it might not be today and it might not be tomorrow, but God is working. Even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you don't feel it, he's, he never stops. And he's going to take dysfunction and bring good out of it. It's a promise. And we read about it time and time again in scripture. This is just one example. There are so many broken, messed up, dysfunctional families and people that God uses for some of the most amazing, beautiful ministry that have lasted, the, like, those are the stories they could never have known at the time that people would be talking about them 2,000 years later in this sacred text changing the landscape of our entire planet. And that's why we're here. It's because God, God used people just like you back then. Same God. Same God, still writing his story. And you're a character in it. So is your family. So my encouragement to you is two things before we finish up. Number one, don't count the people in your family out. My parents today are straight and sober. They have gone and gotten biblical counseling. They're still married. Those days are behind them. I'm like, 
that's how I know that God works miracles. That's how I know God's legit because I've, if he can change these people, he can do anything. Legit, like seriously. So it, they're never too far gone. No one is. No one in your family is either. Even if he doesn't, your story looks different. He's still God though. So don't count the people in your family out. The second thing is don't count yourself out. Because you are in that family, you're not disqualified for greatness. You're not disqualified for making his name known. You're not exempt from peace and hope and joy and love. You can experience those things too. So don't count the people in your family out. Don't count yourself out. And remember that God can use and will use a fractured family. He hasn't given up on your family or anyone else in it. And you don't have to either. Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Youth Podcast. To learn about our mission, gatherings, and more, please follow us on Instagram at rbyouth or check out our website at riverbend.com students. If you were encouraged by this message, please subscribe, rate us, and consider sharing our channel with a friend. Available anywhere you get podcasts.